Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a therapist and author based on the west side of Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to my podcast, named after my recent book, It's Not About the Sex. Here we have honest conversations related to compulsive sexual behavior and trauma, all from a sexual health perspective. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints and practical strategies toward establishing greater intimacy and a more deeply connected life. Let's begin. Dr. Edison DeMello is a board-certified integrative physician, as well as a PhD-licensed MFT psychotherapist. He practiced psychotherapy for 13 years before entering his medical training. Dr. DeMello is the founder of the Akasha Center for Integrative Medicine in Santa Monica, California, and his goal is to help every patient get the best care. Drawing from both the technological advances of the West and the ancient wisdom of the East, he passionately believes that physicians should meet their patients before meeting their dis-ease, a belief he puts into practice every day. Dr. DeMello's book, Bloated, outlines his integrative approach to gut health and optimized general health. So I'm so glad to have Dr. Edison DeMello with us today. And I know Edison in a number of different ways, you know, both personally and professionally. And so if I call him Edison, you'll know that I am familiar with the doctor for many years and just so glad that he could be with us today. Thank you, Andrew, for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you. And you know, one of the things that I wanted to emphasize is that you are actually our first integrative physician to be on the podcast, and not only an integrative physician, but an integrative physician with a background as a licensed psychotherapist. And that's a great combination. I was wondering if you could possibly share a little bit about that evolution just to begin and introduce yourself a little bit to the audience. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. So I started out um, as a psychotherapist, always knowing that there was more um, to my work than uh, psychotherapy alone. I think in discovering people's heart, I also realized that there was a lot um, that to say about the heart-gut connection. And I knew very little about the gut as I was in graduate school. And the more I studied about it, the more I became very, very curious and fascinated by what um, is known as the gut-brain-heart connection. And so in, uh, when I started my uh, doctorate program, there was no question that my dissertation was going to be integrating those three pieces, the gut, the brain, and your overall health, right? And so I wrote my dissertation, um, it was called Gut Feelings, Psychosocial mm. Factors in Gastrointestinal Disease. Mm. And the more I researched uh, the topic, the more curious, the more fascinated I became with the whole idea that there was actually an organ-like system called the microbiome that connected all those organs together, more specifically, your brain, your heart, and your gut. Hmm. And so when I finished the dissertation, there was no question in my mind that I needed to pursue further education in the subject. And then I went to medical school. 
and, and the rest is history. Sure. And, and it's such a wonderful combination because as you know, very well, the mind, body, spirit connection is, is really what well-being is all about. And you and I see eye to eye on that point. And, and then what I, I know about you recently, and this is important for our audience to know, is that you wrote a book called Bloated. And we all know something about bloated and bloating and, and, and poop, as, as you jokingly but honestly discuss in the book. And I'm wondering, what, what prompted you to, to write a book about bloating? After seeing so many people come into the office with what I call the hidden, another hidden pandemic or epidemic, bloating, I realized that most people felt alone and shame, and they felt so distanced from everybody else out in the world that I wanted to let them know that they're not alone, that bloating is actually something that is very common in a whole spectrum of the population. And then by the discussing that with me, by bringing that in the open, they were actually doing the most important thing for themselves, for their, for their health, for, for getting better, which is to have the bloating instead of the bloating having them, right? And I also realized in, in talking to my patients that the psychological impact of, of bloating was so deep. And that in my experience, I didn't see it being addressed out there in the scientific world of gut health. Mm -hmm. I saw some incredible um, studies that people were doing, programs that they were creating, some of them fascinating in talking about how to heal the, how to heal the gut. But about how to heal the impact that bloating had or has on our psychological makeup. And more importantly, was bloating first or was the psychological distress first, the latch of bloating, no? which came mm. first, the chicken or the egg, right? Sure. And so I, you know, in trying to explain to them and researching this, I, I wanted to, first of all, to tell them that not, they're not alone by relating to them the stories that I had heard, the cases that I had seen. And of course, the names are changed, the information I didn't find the patients are changing, but uh, have been changed in the book. But I wanted them to realize that no matter how difficult their bloating situation might have been or might be, that there's somebody up there likely with a condition very similar to theirs or expressing the condition very similar to the way that they are expressing. Mm -hmm. So the book is meant to bring out in the open that what everybody does. We all eat, we all pass gas, we all burp, we all poop. Mm -hmm. And so when you have that combination of, you know, physiological breakup of food together with bacteria in your gut, what you have is this metabolic waste mm -hmm. that comes with fermentation, that comes with sometimes abdominal distress if the gastrointestinal system is not optimized. So the book was really mostly meant to let people know, let me tell you something, you're not alone, and let me show you how. So mm, Beautiful. When, when I heard about your book, the first thing I thought was, this is absolutely universal. Every single person on the face of the earth understands bloating. 
Some, of course, are more pronounced and, and more troublesome, but, but everybody understands that the GI tract is, is such a integral part of our well-being. And you mentioned the idea of shame, right? That, that people oftentimes don't want to talk about it. They hide it. They somehow don't um, feel comfortable enough to, to share about it. I'm wondering if there's any other particular psychological or, or medical manifestations that, um, that go along with bloating. Yeah, uh, anxiety, right? Anxiety, the feeling that um, they are broken, that there's something um, literally rotting inside them. And those are things that people would say, you know, I'm rotten. There's something that is not being processed correctly. And with that feeling, it came anxiety, depression, sadness, and certainly addiction, mm -hmm. right? People mm -hmm. get it. Their addiction could be to, I, I don't care anymore. I'll eat whatever I want. Mm -hmm. uh, the so-called comfort food. Mm -hmm. Or I saw a lot of addiction to alcohol or more dependence than to alcohol to kind of squash down the anxiety, the depression, Mm -hmm. um, and some other very unhealthy behavior, uh, including sex addiction, which I saw that people really kind of to try in an attempt to validate their personhood, they were going into destructive behaviors. And one of those was, you know, sex addiction. Mm -hmm. This is a really important point. So I just want to slow down and, and highlight what you're saying. So we don't know whether it's the chicken or the egg. We don't know for sure whether someone has some psychological issues or, or some kind of suffering or trauma possibly before, or is it a result of the fact that they're, they're having GI problems like bloating, right? If I can just check this out with you, Edison. So what you're saying is that there's this attempt to feel better through food, alcohol, sex, wh whatever the, the attempt might be. And, and yet oftentimes it backfires and can become compulsive or something that actually compounds the problem. Is that what you're referring to? That's exactly what I'm referring to. And I don't, uh, I don't know, I don't think we'll ever know, Andrew, if it's the chicken or the egg. I believe it's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. Like everything in our psychological makeup, in our physiological makeup, it's never one or the other. It's an integration of factors. And so I believe that the people that I was seeing that had bloated issues that were then going towards over or excessive behavior, mm -hmm. be it hypersexuality, be it hyper drinking, overeating, or people that you know usually may have a mechanism of defense that says, when the rough gets going, this is where I'm gonna go to. Mm. Somehow in their makeup, the, in some of the people that I saw, there was a little tendency to be a little hype, to present with a hyper behavior about a spe specific aspect of their lives. And so it, the interesting thing was for me to step back and, and, and to, as I was treating those patients, to actually get a very comprehensive history and to say, so let's talk about the overeating. 
did they start because of bloating or was there was always a tendency there? And in most cases, not 100%, but in the majority of cases, people says, well, I always felt that there was a relationship with food that I needed to, to fine tune a little bit, that I needed to work a little further. Mm-hmm. And so what, what bloating did is kind of elevated the, the issue to the highest point where they, mm-hmm. they could no longer deny it. Mm-hmm. They were, in other words, as I said previously, the issue was had basically had them. They were no longer have been the issue. The issue had them. And so that's when I realized that, you know, bloating, hyper behavior, it probably exists in a spectrum where one eventually uh, gives rise or gives more power to the other. Is, sure. is, that, is, that, is that making sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And in a way, what I'm also hearing you, you share is that it doesn't really matter what came first. No. What's in front of you and, and how you meet your patient where they are is really what counts. Exactly. That's beautifully said, by the way. Yeah, I think it's an opportunity. I think mm-hmm. when I sit with my patients and hopefully when I'm able to um, give them an information that they can really hold on dear to their heart and empower them to optimize the very thing that they want in their lives, be it a healthy relationship, be it health eating, be it health exercising, where people are not overly exercising. By the way, we're talking about negative behaviors, but I also saw a lot of the so-called positive behaviors that were excessively so. Somebody mm-hmm. over-exercising, mm-hmm. right? Can be another one. Um, and so, you know, I, I, what I attempted to do is to tell them, uh, to instill upon them that this is an opportunity for you to take this to whatever level you want to take it. It's not the enemy. Whatever it is that bloating is bringing forth, it's not the enemy. The Mm -hmm. enemy is when we stop and we allow ourselves to be a victim of the process, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I think the body talks to to us. I think the body has a language and that language is called symptoms and our Right, and it's mm-hmm. no no different than a young child. For those of us who have cared for a child in a very early stage of their lives, when they are crying, they are trying to communicate with us. It's their language mm-hmm. of telling us something is off. And our job as a caretakers is to interpret that language, mm-hmm. and and to to provide the the infant to what they need. Well, that's our bodies, right? Our bodies eventually we become the parents to our bodies and it will communicate with us through symptoms. And our job will be to listen to those symptoms and try to make sense of what it's trying to tell us. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the big question becomes, are we ready to listen to what the body's telling us? Right. So two things. So in other words, bloating can be our ally. It can be a moment um, or a window of opportunity to like almost like a, a wake-up call to ask for help and hopefully to do whatever it takes to really listen deeply to the body and to get the help from an expert like yourself, right? So so 
I, I really appreciate that blo bloating doesn't have to be some kind of enemy, that it can absolutely be an ally. The other thing I just wanted to share briefly is I'm a, um, a survivor, I suppose, of irritable bowel. I had IBS for many years and I didn't even know what it was. And part of my IBS symptoms was bloating. Luckily, luckily, um, it got so bad. It was so painful at, at some point that, that I had to do something. And for me, it was about restructuring my nutrition. It was about reducing and managing my stress differently. It was about um, ruling out everything else out there. As I'm sure you know, it's a, it's a diagnosis of exclusion. Exactly. And, and so I, I just want to share from my own background, and luckily this ended maybe 15 or 20 years ago, around the time I turned 40, um, so 17 years ago. And, um, and, and it, was, it was really a strange opportunity because I was, I was in a lot of pain. I was definitely suffering on many levels, not just physiologically. And, and so through therapy, through wonderful, actually alternative physicians, um, I got better. I think I, I, I want to just say that out loud that it's, it's okay to talk about number one and to normalize it, number two, and to know that there's help out there, that the people like you, Edison, are, are, are so deep in the research and in the clinical applications of, of what it takes to help people with bloating. So this is not just a concept. This is really a, um, you're a healer and you bring healing to those who suffer. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I, I feel that, and of course I'm biased because I, I have a passion for the gut. <laughs> but, but I believe that the gut is the seed of our soul. And I believe that the gut, in being the seat of our soul, becomes the seat of our overall health. In fact, as uh, the listeners may listen, may pick up, I have an accent, and that is because I speak a couple of languages. And English is one of the most expressive languages that utilizes the gut as a way to convey emotions. Now, that doesn't exist in Portuguese, which is the language, the other language that I speak, my primary language, my formal language, or Spanish, or French. But in English, when you stop and think about which organ do we use to express our emotions, it's second to the heart, and sometimes first to the heart is the gut. We say things like, what's your gut feeling? When we're trying to ask a person what their intuition is about a situation. When we hurt, we feel, oh, that felt like a punch in my stomach, right? When we have anxiety, we say, oh, there's a little butterfly. It feels like I'm so anxious, like there's a butterfly in my stomach. So that, the gastrointestinal system, by definition, for all these years, or by research, has been linked to our emotional health, mm -hmm. right? In fact, the father of modern medicine, Hippocrates said in 500 BC, you know, health starts in your gut. Mm -hmm. And I would take that a step further, Andrew, and I would say emotional health also starts in your gut. Because as you talked about your own experience with, RBA, with IBS, what you shared with the listeners is not only that you had to revamp 
your lifestyle or your approach to food, but you needed to go find out what else was behind the IBS. And so you went, you know, you underwent therapy. And when you look about, when you think about it, you know, it's called inflammatory bowel disease, right? What is it in life that is inflaming you, right? We know the food can be one of them. Post-surgery can be one of them, but we also know that cortisol, the so-called stress hormone, is an inflammatory hormone. And so for my colleagues out there, when I'm sharing with them my experience as a practicing a gut specialist, I say to them, we've got to ask the patient about the relationship with stress, mm-hmm. about the relationship with pain, the relationship with loss, that relationship with the world affairs. I mean, why are we seeing so much bloating today? I have never seen so many cases. Is it a coincidence? Or is it because look at the state of the world today? Not only are we overly, overly populated, which leads to, you know, uh, food sources being not as easy as they were before. We have to resource our foods more. There's all the, uh, the steps that we need to jump through to be able to feed people. But there's also a sense of despair in the world. It's also a sense of, for some of us, a sense like, where is this going to go? Mm-hmm. And, and that is highly, and, and so when I see people in my office and I ask them those questions, if your gut pain, if your IBS had a message for you, what would that be? Mm-hmm. And most people initially look a little, you know, confused. <laughs> but when we break the eyes and I say, well, let's just make something up. If mm-hmm. them, if the IBS had a message for you, if it needed something from you, let's say your disease needs something for you, what would that be? And, and in a majority of cases, people give the right answer for themselves. It's like taking a multiple choice question when you don't know the answer, you pick the best guess and make the best guess. And in in the majority of cases, you're correct. So I think Mm -hmm. in addressing gastrointestinal issues, in addressing um, anxiety, in addressing addiction, in addressing depression, we cannot separate those three organs, the gut, the heart, and certainly it's not your physical heart. We're talking about your emotional heart Mm -hmm. and in your brain, because, you know, yeah, we... The brain is the hard drive of so many of our actions in life, but the gut is the part of your body that makes the hard drive more efficient. Mm-hmm. Right. It's we could talk, we could talk for hours about this because I think there's so many layers. But I want to move on to a concept or something that I think you know very well, but I don't think our listeners do which is um, the microbiome. And I'm wondering for the purposes of our conversation, can you share what the microbiome is in a nutshell, if you can? Yeah. And then also how, how it might actually help someone stay sober or, or in sustainable recovery. Well, yeah, you're right. We could be talking about this until <laughs> <laughs> the cows come home. Um, so the microbiome is the part of our body, it's the part of the gastrointestinal system where everything goes through that needs to be metabolized and needs to be broken down and needs to be eliminated. 
So the microbiome is in essence, the, the, um, the, one of the most important parts of the gut that will allow us to eliminate, release hormones at optimal levels, to metabolize hormones at optimal levels, right? Hormones need to be produced and then metabolized, which means processed. And sometimes both of those things happen in the gut. And so, for, for example, if I give you an apple for you to eat, that apple needs to be converted into its many elements, right? Into, into sugar component called glucose, its fiber component, um, water, everything that it needs to be able to be broken down. And that is mostly done through bacteria. So bacteria is the microorganisms in life that we heavily depend upon, you know, to make our cheese, to make our wine, to process our food, to make our fermented food. But bacteria can also kill us, right? But we wipe, we spend billions of dollars buying, you know, antibacterial soaps and antibacterial wipes. Um, and yet, we also spend billions of dollars ingesting bacteria in the form of probiotics. Mm -hmm. And so it's very confusing when you look at this way. We're killing the bacteria, but we're also getting good bacteria into us. Well, the microbiome is the place of your body that will take the good bacteria and make sure that it does to you what it needs to do. Mm. It makes sure that it will process your food, that will uh, help you to metabolize your hormones. And they'll help you eliminate with elimination. And it's also the part of your body that says something's not working here. And it does that through producing extra gas, burping, bloating. And so it's, it's this incredible part of the gastrointestinal system that without it, we wouldn't be able to be here. And most of us have never seen a microbiome, but a lot of us have seen a beehive and if you look at a beehive and you want to make a comparison, a beehive is this, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of bacteria of, uh, of bees sometimes mm -hmm. that has one single function and that function is to make honey. And to do so, they need several very solid things that have to be very present in a good form in their lives, such as water, plenty of water. They need to have a good temperature, you know, have a beehive functioning in very, very cold degree. And you also have to have a beekeeper. They are, and they need pollination, good food. Mm -hmm. But they also need to have a beekeeper that understands that the way to take care of the microbiome is to trust it, to trust it, that it knows what's, what it's going to do, and to leave it alone and mm -hmm. be observing it with a lot of care. And when you look at our guts, that's what the best approach is to treating the microbiome. A lot of people uh, may come into the office and say, you know, I've been taking this particular antidepressant for a number of years and suddenly stopped working or it's not working as optimally as it was before. And my first question to them is tell me about your gut health, right? Instead of so let's double your or increase the medication, let's talk about the part of your body that processes that particular medication. Because mm -hmm. if it's not optimal, of course, the medication is not gonna work as, as efficiently as it could. And so when I talk about the microbiome, I'm also talking about the part of your body that allows hormones 
to be at its optimal level. And one of the most important them is the happy hormone, the so-called serotonin. And most of us think that most serotonin is produced by our neurons. And it's actually only 10%. 90% of our serotonin, our feel happy hormone is in our guts. Mm. So doesn't it make sense that if somebody's feeling depressed and anxious or having, uh, dealing with hyper behaviors of anything, hypersexuality, hyper eating, that we also, in addition to what we do to treat that behavior, that we also look at, at their guts and we also look at how they are metabolizing the food. So in, uh, in essence, that's what the microbiome helps us do. Okay, so what specifically can, can help optimize the microbiome and specifically in the, in the context of addictive compulsive behaviors? Okay, so one thing is to do exactly what you did when you were dealing with your IBS. Take an inventory, right, of your, what you're eating. You are what you eat. This is such an old term and sometimes a little corny, but it's so true. So if you're not eliminating correctly, if you're passing a lot of gas, if you're feeling bloated, if you're burping, step back and say, hmm, what is my body trying to tell me? Mm -hmm. That's the first step. And if you cannot do that, then find somebody who can help you do that, a practitioner. The second step is to be open to your answer, to the answer that's going to come your way. Sometimes we don't want to hear what the body has to tell us when we pose the question, should I be eating ice cream? <laughs> should I be drinking alcohol? And if the answer is no, I don't like it, then are you ready to listen or to compromise or to present uh, another way so you, you you can do what you want without hurting your body. Mm -hmm. And I think the third thing is to, in my field, is to see what's coming out of you, mm -hmm. right? What we eat is not what we excrete. And so doing a stool test, and there's some great stool tests out there that I use, um, tells me whether or not you have um, the right amount of enzymes in your body that will help you break down foods. Tells me, it tells me about your microbiome function. Do you have parasites? Do you have other um, pathogenic bacteria that may be contributing to your not feeling good? And then start looking and say, okay, so my hyper behavior, my excess behavior is started in this year or in this week or this month. What was happening in my life around that time. And, and so doing that inventory, that assessment, I think mm -hmm. is, the, is the thing that I would invite people to do first. Maybe this is an aside, but I just wanna add that when we're talking about any kind of trauma, whether it be childhood trauma or, or traumas that happen in adulthood, the gut absorbs that for, for most people that, the gut is, like you said, the gut and the heart are the recipients um, of oftentimes those, those stored memories in a sense. And so I just wanted to add that piece that we're also talking about trauma healing when we're talking about what, what you're talking about. It's not just investigating the stool, although there's a lot of information there, but we're talking about a deeper healing, as we keep saying, of mind, body, and spirit. 
Exactly. I mean, you were so right, right? We can stop and look at the word that tells us that something off is off in our gut or in our, in our health. It's called disease. What is it that it's not making you stay at ease, right? It's called this ease. And so you're right. So when we look at the stool, for example, I'm looking at the microbiome, but I'm also looking, is this person able to not only release, but also metabolize serotonin? Mm -hmm. If not, what happens when we have trauma? We want comfort. We want to move away from the trauma until we're ready to look at them right mm -hmm. or look at it so in doing so you know those of us who have undergone trauma we we want to escape valve we want a way out and the way out comes in many forms food right drinking over partying over exercising over you know hypersexuality and so yeah you're right looking at the at the gut and looking at this tool gives me an idea of what I can address right now in the gastrointestinal system to give my patients the strength and that they need to stay healthy, to be able to look at those things from a more integrative approach. Mm -hmm. Again, I, I, I feel like we're just opening the door to some, some really vital um, larger conversations, but I, I want to end our time together with a question that I generally end our episodes with, which, which is if, if you could identify maybe one or two takeaways from today's conversation that you would really like our listeners to hold on to, what, what would they be? Great question. I mean, for the purpose of your uh, podcast, I would say trust what your body's trying to tell you, right? I haven't yet met a person, a patient that one prompt kindly and with a lot of compassion uh, will say, oh, I have no idea why I have this. Most of the patients that I've treated, and I've been doing this for over, you know, 30 years now, um, will at first, they may at first say, well, I don't, I have no idea. I don't know. You're the doctor, they say. <laughs> We've heard that before, right? And I say, yeah, you're right. I'm the doctor, but the body's yours. The body needs you to be able to identify what it needs. You became the mama or the papa to your body. Your body is your firstborn in essence. And would you treat your body the way you treat your child? Mm -hmm. Would you say to your child, I don't want to listen to what you have to say. Mm -hmm. I don't have any time for you. Would you do that? Maybe some people would, right? <laughs> and that's why this childhood trauma, but in a majority of parents who wants to listen to the, or caretakers, want to listen to their, to their child's, to their children, and your body is your child. So listen to it, listen, and, but listen with curiosity and listen, say, I'm curious about what this is. And then the other thing that I tell my patients, how powerful it is that you came in today to spill your gut out, literally. <laughs> You're spilling mm -hmm. your guts out here. And how courageous that is. Most people feel that to ask for help is a sign of weakness. And mm -hmm. I think it's the way to the warrior within us is when we say, mm -hmm. I need to go take care of my body. I need, I need help with this. So, so my message would be that, listen to what your body, to the language 
uh, that the body is using to communicate with you. Mm, beautiful. So thank you so much for, for joining me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this and, and I hope you'll come back because I really do feel, and I don't always say this, but I really do feel that there's so much more for us to discuss and so much more um, dimension to, to these, this conversation, not just around the gut, but around how it connects to addictive compulsive behaviors and of course the mind, body, spirit. Yeah, well, uh, I would love to come back. I think the work that you are doing through your podcasts and your writings are of significance importance out there. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we connect trauma to physiological imbalance, to dysbiosis, which is how we refer to gastrointestinal dysfunction, mm -hmm. the more we can empower people to be able to get to the next level. And when they get to the next level, they will help others like you did. Mm -hmm. right. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, and we will see each other soon. Look forward to it. All right, take care. Thanks for listening today. It was so wonderful sharing the time with my colleague and friend, Dr. Edison DeMello, and discussing this really universal topic. He can be reached through his website at akashacenter.com, A-K-A-S-H-A, akashacenter.com, and if you're so inclined, please give us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe and share my podcast with those who may benefit. I look forward to you joining us the next time. And don't forget to stay connected. Mm -hmm.